Chapter Six of Sir Titus Salt, Baronet: His Life and Its Lessons. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Sir Titus Salt, Baronet: His Life and Lessons by Robert Balgarney. Chapter Six. We begin with a quotation by Philip Van Artevelde. All my life long I have upheld with most respect the man who knew himself and knew the ways before him, and from amongst them chose considerately, with a clear foresight, not a blinded courage, and having chosen with a steadfast mind, pursued his purpose. End quote. Mr. Titus Salt had now reached the prime of manhood. He was tall in stature, measuring about six feet, robust in health, and florid in complexion. He had large, intelligent eyes, a lofty forehead, crowned with long black hair. The portrait of him at the beginning of this book was taken in his advanced years, and therefore conveys but a faint impression of what he was at the period to which we now refer but those who knew him then speak of him as a tall thin good-looking man or to take the testimony of an admiring friend he was every inch a man he was now busily occupied in manufacturing donskoy wool into worsted fabrics his success in this enterprise and that too in the face of local prejudice and opposition had not only astonished the community, but it had enabled him to gauge his own abilities and gain confidence in himself. To one like Mr. Titus Salt, who was constitutionally nervous and diffident, the gain was great indeed. It evoked other mental powers that had hitherto lain dormant, and made his present success a starting point for higher achievements. The utilizing of the fiber called alpaca in the worsted trade was in reality the magnum opus of his life and the basis of his fame and fortune. It was, in fact, the discovery of a new staple in worsted manufacture by which the trade and commerce of the world were enriched and mankind at large benefited. Perhaps some persons would regard this discovery as an accident with which mental ability had little to do strange that such accidents generally happen to men of genius and energy not to the simpleton or the sluggard did it not look like an accident when an apple was seen falling from a tree at woolsthorpe or water boiling in a tea-kettle at glasgow yet the former suggested to newton the law of gravitation and the latter to watt the condensing steam-engine but what then it required mental power in either case to deal with the facts and follow them up to their issues. It also involved long and persevering toil, such as no other men had previously exercised in the same direction. Thus it was with Mr. Titus Salt in the utilizing of alpaca in a way hitherto unknown. He had the eye to see what other men saw not, the mind to think what other men thought not, the patience and perseverance in making experiments which others had not made, and he thereby reached a point of eminence in the manufacturing world which few have reached, and the same idiosyncrasy was manifested on other occasions as well as this. One of these may be here mentioned. 
it happened during the cotton famine in lancashire when the mills were silent and the staple supply was all but cut off by the american civil war an interesting letter had just appeared in the london times in which it was alleged that along the seaboard of england ample materials existed capable of being utilized as a substitute for cotton mr titus salt was visiting scarborough at the time one day we found him quite alone far from the town on the southern beach the tide was very low and the rocks uncovered we observed him busily engaged picking up pieces of seaweed which he very carefully examined some were twisted and thrown away others were rubbed and their fibres spread out in the palm of his hand when asked what he was in quest of in such an out-of-the-way place he quietly said i have been trying whether this stuff could be manufactured but it won't do though the result of this investigation amounted to nothing practical it certainly showed the natural bent of his mind and that the discovery of alpaca as a new staple of industry was not likely to be an accident but the product of a mental force and habit peculiarly his own we now proceed to describe the circumstances connected with this valuable discovery but first it may interest the reader to know something of the animal that bears the name alpaca mr salt had once a considerable flock of alpacas in his possession which originally belonged to the late earl of derby and were sold at nosley with the zoological collection in which his lordship took delight but the animals never took kindly to the country of their adoption they wanted the drier and steep mountain regions of their native peru part of this flock was sent out to australia and the cape of good hope to be naturalized in those wool-growing countries but at home they were difficult to keep alive indeed one by one they died so that now one solitary representative alone is left at crow nest the last of all the flock the existence of the animal called the paca or alpaca was known nearly three hundred years before and its long fleece was a matter of boasting by the spanish governors of peru in the sixteenth century the word alpaca is the general name for that form of the camelidae which is to be found only in the new world it is so closely allied to the llama that many naturalists regard it as a variety of the same genus rather than a distinct species its wool is straighter than that of the sheep it is silken in its texture uncommonly lustrous very strong in proportion to its thickness and breaks very little in combing in appearance the alpaca somewhat resembles the sheep but it has a longer neck and a more elegant head which it holds proudly erect its eyes are large and beautiful its motions are free and active the ordinary pace being a rapid bounding canter if regularly shorn the wool will grow about six inches a year but if allowed to remain upon the animal several years it will then attain a length of twenty or even thirty inches it frequents the highest mountains of peru and chile in flocks of one or two hundred in a wild condition it is shy and vigilant but when brought very young to the huts of the indians it can be easily domesticated and made useful in carrying burdens from the mountains to the coast the peculiar conformation of its feet enabling it to walk securely on slopes too rough and steep for any other animal 
in this do we not see the wisdom of the creator of all things who has adapted one kind of camel for the soft sands of eastern deserts and another for the rough paths of the western mountains it was in the year eighteen thirty six that the wool of the alpaca first came under the notice of mr titus salt he happened to be in liverpool on matters connected with his business when in passing through one of the dock warehouses his eye fell upon a huge pile of dirty-looking bales of alpaca with here and there a rent in them that disclosed their contents it is well known that the late charles dickens made this incident the subject of an amusing article in household words and though the greater part of his description may be regarded as imaginary yet the basis of it is undoubtedly fact as we can personally verify by statements from mr titus salt's own lips note the article referred to is entitled the great yorkshire llama in the november twenty seventh eighteen fifty two issue of charles dickens magazine household words the liverpool brokers with whom this memorable transaction took place were fictitiously designated c w and f foozle and company but their real names were messrs hegan and company it appears that to this firm had been consigned above three hundred bales of alpaca wool in the hope that some english manufacturer might be inclined to buy it it had lain long in their warehouse unnoticed and become such a nuisance that if a purchaser did not soon turn up they had determined to reship it to peru whence it came it was at this juncture that mr titus salt happened to see the new material of which he had no previous knowledge having pulled out a handful from one of the bales he examined it as a wool stapler would but said nothing and quietly went his way some time after business again brought him to liverpool when he took occasion to visit a second time the warehouse containing the nondescript wool and spent some time minutely examining it it was evident that during the interval a new idea had taken possession of his mind and he was now in his own quiet way seriously revolving it but in this instance he not only examined the material but took away a small quantity in his handkerchief and brought it to bradford with a view to ascertain if anything could be made of it in furtherance of this inquiry he shut himself up in a room saying nothing to any one his first act was thoroughly to scour the material he had brought then to comb it which operations he performed with his own hands he then carefully examined the fibre testing its strength and measuring its length whether he spun any of it into thread we do not know but the result of his experiments thus far was a surprise to himself he saw before him a long glossy wool which he believed was admirably adapted for those light fancy fabrics in the bradford trade which were then in great demand it was about this time he happened to meet his friend john hammond whom he tried to interest in this new staple he said to him john i have been to liverpool and seen some alpaca wool i think it might be brought into use but john hammond did not encourage him in such a speculation as for mr salt senior he strongly advised his son to have nothing to do with the nasty stuff but the advice of neither friend nor father availed to shake his opinion that the staple in question was highly valuable and capable of being used in the worsted trade 
indeed the more others disparaged it the more tenaciously he held to the opinion which had been formed after much thought and experiment and if no one could be found to approve or encourage why should he not have the courage in this matter to act for himself judge then the surprise of the liverpool brokers when the bradford manufacturer returned soon after and made an offer for the whole consignment of alpaca at eight pence a pound to quote from the amusing article in household words quote, at first the head of the firm fancied our friend had come for the express purpose of quizzing him and then that he was an escaped lunatic and thought seriously of calling for the police but eventually it ended in his making it over in consideration of the price offered End quote. such is the unvarnished story of the discovery of alpaca by mr titus salt but he was only now at the beginning of his difficulties for this material which was easily purchased had yet to be spun into yarn and woven into fabric ere the public could be convinced of the soundness of his judgment in reference to it how was this to be done there was no likelihood that the bradford manufacturers would look more favorably on this new staple than they had done on the donskoy wool to attempt the sale of it among the manufacturers was entirely out of the question and therefore to manufacture it himself seemed the only alternative but there was still a practical difficulty his machinery at present in use was not adapted to the new material but a mind like his knew of difficulties only as things to be overcome when once an idea took possession of him and his plans were matured and his course clear then his imperious will seemed to lay everything under arrest for the accomplishment of his purpose circumstances must bend to him not he to circumstances to young men who are always expecting something to turn up and who like the traveller wanting to cross the stream waited for all the water to run past to such we would say learn from mr titus salt not to lean on artificial props at all but on your own manly selves not to be hangers-on upon providence but to remember that providence helps the man who puts an honest heart into all the work of his hands after many anxious months the necessary machinery was made and the alpaca wool passed through the various processes preliminary to its being spun and woven it was now his turn to wonder imagine then his extreme delight when out of the unsightly material which first met his eye in liverpool he saw that beautiful fabric which has since carried his name far and wide and is now prized and worn by rich and poor in all parts of the civilized world in entering upon this new branch of business mr titus salt made overtures to john hammond to join him in partnership for he evidently felt the need of some one to share with him the burden of the undertaking which had now become heavy but these overtures were respectfully declined on the ground that the rouses having always treated him with kindness and liberality he must remain in their employment as long as he lived it was in garraway's coffee-rooms london that these two early friends had the interview for the consideration of the above proposal which ended by mr titus salt saying well john i am going into this alpaca affair right and left and i'll either make myself a man or a mouse
but in this account of the discovery and utilizing of the alpaca wool it is but right to state that the material had been known in this country long before in the year eighteen eleven mr william walton in a published work had described the wool of the llama tribe as possessing a fibre of extraordinary length and of a fine glossy texture in eighteen thirty mr outram of greetland near halifax had produced a fabric from alpaca wool which was sold as a curiosity at a high price the indians of peru had also from time immemorial made blankets and cloaks of the same material but this does not in the least detract from the merit of mr titus salt whose investigations and experiments were conducted on a perfectly independent basis and to whom undoubtedly belongs the honor of having added this new staple to the industry of the country and adapted it to purposes hitherto unknown it will thus be seen how the practical experience he acquired at the rouses was brought into use at this important period of his life but for this he would have had to depend upon others to supply the knowledge requisite in each department of the business but like the skilled master of a ship who had risen from the lowest to the highest position in her he knew every detail himself and was therefore competent to direct his numerous subordinates with judgment and precision the life of mr titus salt was henceforth one of intense devotedness to business his brain was ever busy and his hands ever occupied in the management of the various manufactories now in full working order the demand for alpaca goods increased with remarkable rapidity so that within the short space of three years the import of the staple had risen to two million one hundred and eighty six thousand four hundred and eighty pounds and now the yearly consumption with other kindred fibres in the bradford trade alone amounts to about four million pounds the price which at first was only eight pence has risen to two shillings and sixpence per pound alpaca and mohair to which we shall afterwards refer together constitute an important item in our national trade these two articles alone standing at about one million six hundred thousand pounds in the annual imports of raw materials of themselves they would not of course give to the worsted trade its present proud position in the country but it is not too much to say that the skill and enterprise of mr titus salt amongst spinners and manufacturers pre-eminently contributed to the attainment of that high position each branch of the industry has been a source of strength to the other and of the multitude of mills in bradford and the neighbourhood now engaged upon these articles the origin of many of them might be traced indirectly to him whose busy life we are endeavouring to sketch but it was not so much the immediate profit that accrued to himself that rendered his present achievements so remarkable but the stimulus it gave to trade generally a new mine as it were was opened in bradford which invited many toilers to work it for the treasures it possessed employment was thus created for thousands of workpeople who were attracted from all parts of the country by the high remuneration offered whole streets of dwellings soon sprung up in the vicinity of the mills merchants who had hitherto transacted business through local agents found it necessary to remove their residence from the metropolis and other places to this thriving centre of industry 
even foreigners regarded it their interest to leave their fatherland to become naturalized citizens of this country and dwellers in this community of these foreigners germany has supplied a large quota who form an important element in the local prosperity indeed the indirect results of mr titus salt's achievements are so interwoven with the growth of bradford in population in building in trade and commerce in moral and intellectual improvement that it is impossible to separate the one from the other the introduction of cotton warps in weaving was a fortunate circumstance for the district this took place about the year eighteen thirty seven it essentially changed the character of the worsted stuffs and gave to the manufacture an extension unknown before in former years the chief consideration with most purchasers was the durability of the fabric but when a taste for light elegant and cheap articles of dress was formed the question arose how this taste was to be met and what cheaper thread other than worsted could be introduced but for this departure from the old lines the worsted manufacture by itself could never have produced that endless variety of fancy fabrics with which we are now familiar but what had mr titus salt to do with this important step perhaps nothing directly but there was a singular coincidence of time in the introduction of cotton warps and the utilizing of alpaca in fact they were contemporary the one was the complement of the other and both gave a mighty impulse to the trade of the district and secured for it the pre-eminence that it still retains mr d salt carried on the wool stapling business at cheapside until about the year eighteen thirty three when his means being amply sufficient for the remainder of his days he relinquished it he had built a house in manningham lane to which at this time he removed mrs d salt is still remembered for her christian character and consistency she was much attached to horton lane chapel and took a lively interest in its various organizations ministers of religion were frequent guests at the house and the ministerial visits of her pastor the rev t taylor helped her on her heavenly way when the movement for the erection of salem chapel began in eighteen thirty five both mr and mrs d salt took much interest in it the increase of the congregation at horton lane was considerable and the consequent lack of accommodation had long been felt mr d salt was a member of the building committee of salem chapel also mr r milligan and mr henry forbes the last-mentioned gentleman brought into this undertaking that amazing energy for which he was remarkable and like many earnest impulsive men he found it difficult to cooperate harmoniously with others more cautious than himself the difficulty however was equally great on the other side for on one occasion mr daniel salt's patience was well nigh exhausted and in his homely yorkshire speech he said i'll tell thee what forbes if thou art not the first horse thou won't pull a pound the chapel was opened in eighteen thirty six by the rev dr winter hamilton rev t lessey and rev dr raffles and in it the rev j g mile has successfully ministered for forty years thirty-eight members were transferred from the mother church as the nucleus of the new one mrs d salt was received into communion soon after but mr d salt never became a communicant although he was always a regular worshipper 
like many other men he allowed the early part of life to pass away without making an open profession of his faith by coming to the communion table and as he advanced in years he found the difficulties that hindered him not diminished so that while endeavouring faithfully to fulfil the other duties of religion this one remained unfulfilled to the last the course he adopted was not only a loss to himself but to others whom his good example might have benefited perhaps it was the want of this religious decision on the part of the father that influenced his son in the same direction for as we shall afterwards see it was not until a later period of his life that he avowed his faith in christ and became a communicant to all young men we would earnestly say before setting out in the business of this world let the greater business relating to the soul and god be settled it is more easy to attend to it in youth than in manhood it is more reasonable to give to god the firstlings of life than the leavings it is more safe to commit the keeping of the heart to christ in youth than run the risk of finding afterwards a more convenient season for doing so it is more wise to seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you mr salt died at bradford on the twenty eighth december eighteen forty three aged sixty two years after which mrs salt went to live with her daughter mrs atkinson at murfield where she died tenth november eighteen fifty four aged seventy six they were both interred in the burying ground attached to salem chapel some persons may be surprised that in the work of erecting salem chapel which enlisted the sympathies of his parents and of his attached friend mr forbes the name of mr titus salt does not appear it may be that his energies and time were absorbed in the multifarious and responsible business to which he had put his hands that declaration of his to make of himself either a man or a mouse though a homely one was most expressive for it indicated the weighty sense of responsibility which now pressed upon him that he had staked everything on this business enterprise that if successful the reward would be ample but if he failed the downfall would be crushing we may therefore excuse him if his sympathies and efforts did not at this time commingle with those of his kindred and friends in the work of chapel building in after years he gave abundant proof that this kind of enterprise had a warm place in his heart many were the places of worship he helped to build both by his purse and suggestion and one out of many may here be mentioned namely that of saltaire which alone cost him fifteen thousand pounds it was indeed a matter of thankfulness that amid a multiplicity of duties sufficient to overwhelm any other man his health was vigorous his spirits buoyant and his anticipations hopeful happily he now possessed a home which was to him a peaceful haven that he put into at night to renew his mental and physical outfit for the coming day there too a young and loving wife greeted his return whose gentleness was a pillow for his weary brain and when little ones came into the home their presence brought sunshine and their voices music which chased the cares of life into happy oblivion the children born in bradford were william henry now sir william george amelia now mrs wright edward fanny deceased herbert and titus End of chapter 6